Today's episode of the Goldcast is sponsored by the retirement of KD's jersey. Joe Lakeabin, the owners have officially announced that they're going to retire KD's jersey. And as long as they're the owners, I think it's a little ridiculous. But nevertheless, thank you, KD, for the time in the Golden State Warriors jersey. Two championships back-to-back, back-to-back NBA Finals MVP. So with that said, thank you, Kevin Durant. And we're never going to see 35 again in uh, the Warriors tenure, as long as Lakeup and company are in charge of the team. After that, who knows? I'm sure they'll bring it back. It's but like a with, temporary retirement. Yes, it's like uh, it's just being respectful for what he did. So just all class act here in California. But with that said, Rudy, where can they find us? So you can find us on iTunes, YouTube, Stitcher, all under the same moniker, under the Gold Cast. Go to youtube.com slash the Gold Cast. That's where we, we, all of our mailbag basically comes from three different places. It comes from YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Hit us up privately on Instagram and Twitter, but hit us up on the actual podcast on youtube.com slash the Gold Cast. And Raymond, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Ray Solis, and you can find me on Instagram at Ray Solis One. And you can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis Three R D or Three, and then and Twitter at Rudy Solis Three R D. All right, we got a pretty big episode here, so we're low-fi for the high-fi today. I am in an undisclosed location, awaiting eagerly awaiting my brother to meet us for our 4th of July family holiday weekend. But NBA free agency has been so insane. We have to do this episode remotely. We don't even have a Goldcast intro. You guys are going to hear this from a Goldcast intro. This is where we're at today. This is from- raw. This is the rawest Goldcast ever. <laughs> the rawest. Raw dog. It's the rawest. <laughs> so it's super raw dog. And what we have... Amazing guest, a guest who's already been on this podcast, one of my favorite guests of all time in the last five years, one of my all-time favorites, but he's never been on the same episode as Raymond, and to me, this is like putting Steph and KD in the same room at the same time. This is what it is, so right now, we're going to get into it. Ray, are you ready? I am ready. Gold cast, no intro. Let's get busy. Boom. Boom. Welcome to another edition for the gold cast i'm your host raymond solis the first baby and with me as always is my co-host rudy solis the third baby and with us is our guest co-host for tonight oh you want me to talk now no, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> no this is uh this is candlestick will right here this is- yes right baby candlestick will's in the all right Yo, candlestick will he just was he came onto this podcast and was just dropping three pointers from fifty feet like it was a natural act. Candlestick Will is back and we are here to talk NBA free agency. But guess what? This is the gold cast, baby. So we don't talk about we don't talk about the Nets or the Clippers or the Lakers. We're here to talk about the Golden State Warriors and we're here to talk about the changes. Gentlemen. Oh, so we watched a team, Raymond said it best, and I don't know, Candlestick Wolf, you heard it on our last podcast, but Raymond said it best. Raymond said the Toronto Raptors, they weren't the better team, they were just the healthier team. And that's really what it came down to was health at the end of the day. I mean, the Warriors were going down like flies, and then after free agency, KD does what everyone said he was going to do for the entire year. He goes to the Nets, and the Warriors, we don't even stop. We re-sign Kevin Mooney, re-sign Clay Thompson, and pick up D'Angelo Russell, and then take William Cauley-Smith. So I, I posed to the Goldcast Nation, I posed a challenge to Candlestick Will and to Ray. I said, who on earth are these guys? Break it down for the Goldcast. And Candlestick Will, since you're our guest, I would love for you to go on first. And then, Raymond, I'd love you to give your extra announce. Let's start with William Collie Smith for the Sacramento Kings. Does he do anything for this team? What is your professional Colley, opinion? Collie Stein. Collie Stein. Sorry, Smith. You're right. Collie Stein. My bad. That's how little I know this guy. 
That's where we're at right now. <laughs> this is literally well, he, where was, we're at. Uh, he was a starter for the Kings, and yes. uh, he's 20, 25 years old. The crib notes version, the simplest way to put it is that he's JaVale McGee, but he's 25. Um, there, he's not, you know, a clone of JaVale McGee, but he's got a similar body type, similar athleticism, similar upside. You know, will he be better than JaVale one day? Will he be just like JaVale or worse? You know, we don't know. At 25, you always have room to grow. So one of the things that I think the, the Warriors are doing right now is they – their plan B was to get way younger, and that's why they're not bringing Livingston back. That's why they let Iguodala go. That's why once Durant left, it was like, okay, let's you know, let's start this over with a reset. Go after the best young talent we can, which is where Russell comes in, and they're setting themselves up to be able to go after Giannis or any other big name in two years. Raymond, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think I think JaVale McGee is a pretty good compliment. I mean, clearly, they're trying to get younger. They got Glenn Robinson III. He's also 25, although he's more of a bench player. In fact, he fulfills the role of Livingston, uh, the same position, similar body type, even similar points. Uh, even what they do off the bench is very similar. And only he's younger. So clearly, they are getting younger. I think that was very evident in these last three picks that they've gotten. And so it makes you think, though, like, was Damian Jones, I guess, that bad in the summer league that they're just like, let's get Willie Colley Stein in there and not even promote or worry about Damian Jones and just have him and Looney battle it out for the starting position? Because whoever doesn't, I think Colley Stein will most likely come off the bench the same way that JaVale did for most of his time here, although he did start quite a bit, too. And I loved JaVale McGee's athleticism. I thought he had great height, great jumping ability. His alley-oops were probably the best out of everyone that we've had playing the center role. And But this guy here nearly averaged a double-double last year with the Kings. And as as far as uh, Glenn Robinson's concerned, it's a total. this is totally the Sean Livingston replacement. I mean, even with the salary cap and we can't surpass the tax amount, now we're we're forced to either waive or trade Livingston. I don't think he's got much trade value maybe on a team that needs some veteran help off the bench, but I can't really think of anybody off the top of my head, but uh, they might just waive him or he might just retire. You know, I if I was him, retires. if, I, I, if I was him, I retire. You got three rings at, you know, in the twilight of your career and, you know, it kind of really counterbalances that devastating injury he had in his fourth year in the NBA, which really kind of derailed, um, the the projection of what he was supposed to be when he came into the league. There was high expectations for him when he came into the league, but that that knee injury, that gruesome knee injury, really kind of you know dispelled any notion of of that potentiality. But with these guys, yeah, I think uh, you've got a, a young center who's most likely. I don't think he's going to unseat Looney. I think Looney has worked his ass off and kind of cemented, in my opinion. I still think they're going to compete, but I think Looney's going to outright win the starting position. His defense is is far more polished at this point, especially since he knows the Warrior system. He's got great length, and he's extremely smart basketball player. And so I, I foresee him starting with Macaulay Stein coming off the bench and leading the second unit. Michael, what well, do you I, think? Candlestick well, will, I should say. What do you think? Well, in, you know, I think uh, one of the things that a lot of the beat writers were saying and, uh, and something that's reality, I think, you know, as as Leith, uh Durant and Curry were in the pick and roll, you know, they wanted to run an offense that was more more like what the Spurs would do when Kerr was there and the, the ball movement and sharing the ball. And when they what they realized is that this game has become much more pick and roll. And if you can't get players that can run the pick and roll on offense and you can't get players that can defend the pick and roll on defense, you're not going to be as successful. So going after Russell, going after Willie Cauley-Stein, they're getting players who are better pick and roll players. And it's ironic because the Warriors, had they just played more pick and roll, probably would have dominated even more um, the last few years with Durant. But I think that's part of this equation. You know, ultimately... Uh, Anthony Slater um, sent out a tweet based, you know, just pointing out that eight of the 12 guys on the roster right now are 25 or younger. 
So, you know, they they clearly wanted to reset in that in that way. Going after Russell, I think, is is strategic in a couple ways because I think Joe Lacob is convinced that there's no reason to ever stop or slow down. So, you know, you could have just gone after some minimum, you know, minimum salary guy to take the spot for for Clay and keep the seat warm. And instead, they're like, no, we're going to go out and get the best player we can. Russell's available. Let's go get him. And in six months from now, they could possibly trade him. And, you know, and him and Clay might never play together since they essentially would be playing the same position um, with that is just, on the floor. That, is, that has been the speculation. What do you think about that? Do you think they'd trade him I, sooner I rather they, than later or well, later rather than sooner? Well, they, they have to wait six months is just a rule. You, you, you bring in, you trade for a guy, you have to wait six months before you can trade him again. So it, it might end up being that Clay Thompson's going to come back around the same time that he, that it was December 15th when you're allowed to trade a guy again. So, you know, who Clay could be back by then. So there might, that question might come up right in December. Like, do we want to make a move or do we want to try and see what it's like to play Steph, D'Angelo and, and Clay all together? You know, Clay Thompson certainly could handle defensively most small forwards. Um, but if you have Steph, D'Angelo, Clay, Draymond and Looney, for example, you know, that's not the greatest defensive five. You, mm-hmm. you know, and it's certainly not the kind of defense they've, we've seen in the past, um, even with guys like Barnes and Iguodala, let alone Durant. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting them to get another small forward, you know, shooting guard type player that can defend. Um, and I, cause I don't expect Glenn Robinson or Alfonso McKinney to be the starting small forward, um, you know, while Clay's out. And I don't necessarily think they're going to have Clay play the small forward either. So I would expect them to try to move D'Angelo Russell um, by the trade deadline um, or at least by when Clay comes back. It's not um, unheard of for the idea that they would play all three together because that could be fun. But I think the main reason for the move for Russell, I think, is they want to make sure that they do win enough games to make the playoffs next year. And at the same time, that's a great trade piece for whenever they want to make that move, whether it's during the season or whether it's, you know, the following season or whatever. Because if you look at some of the salaries that went out, $117 million over four years is a lot of money, but it's not anywhere near as much money as a lot of other guys are making. And so for a 23-year-old all-star point guard, that's, you know, that's not a, it's not a bargain, but there's plenty of teams that are really willing to take on that salary um, to get a guy like D'Angelo Russell at that age and with that skill set. And he's, he was averaging 21 a game last, last year, and he'll probably do the same with Clay off the floor. Right. And, and just him and Steph. So Clay Thompson going, territory as far as points per game is concerned, minus the three-point efficiency. Right. Well, and I, I think D'Angelo Russell ultimately becomes a, a, a guy who could be whatever they need him to be as far as he could be that other great scorer that helps them with when those when Clay comes back to have a three-headed monster of scores, and you would just need to get some better defense. But at the same time, if they decide to keep him, then there's you know some, there'll be some buyout candidates and some other things where maybe they go after a couple of wing defenders, you know, whether it's a you know, j- just name, I'll just throw out names, even if they're not realistic buyout candidates, but like a Trevor Reza type, you know, those kinds of players where, you know, maybe you go after some guys like that because you decide to keep Russell. And if you end up trading, trading them, maybe you trade it, you know, to a team where you get a, a really good defender back and, you know, maybe some future picks or whatever and, and have a more balanced team going forward. But to me, when you accumulate talent, then, it's not as big a problem as then when you're trying to, you know, you, you don't, you don't want to be the Knicks and just gut everybody hoping for some superstar to show up. Instead, the Warriors are doing the opposite. They're just compiling the most talent they possibly can. And then, and then if, if they want to make trades later, they'll have the pieces to do it. Yeah. That's the impression I get, especially with the D'Angelo Russell move, just because they didn't necessarily need an all-star point guard, but you can, you know, he can, he can play both positions, so he's definitely going to, you know, play into take over Clay's position for the time being. And then this Glenn Robinson guy is going to be a, a role player. McCauley's most likely going to be a role player or sometimes start. I think it also depends on the matchup, too, because Kerr likes to also play 
into the favor of the matchups like most good coaches do. So there's that as well. But uh, I think uh, I think this I and I think the the odds of, for the Warriors record has improved with these recent acquisitions, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if they've improved by a large margin, but they've definitely uh, improved nonetheless. Well, they clearly don't want to tank, right? Like clearly, no. obviously, obviously these moves, D'Angelo Russell above everything else, I would argue, and I want to tell me if I'm wrong, guys, I would argue that he's the maybe the fourth or fifth best, most coveted piece in free agency that was available. Kawhi, KD being number one or two, depending on where you value Kawhi, Kyrie being number three. And then I would say D'Angelo Russell is probably the sneaky fourth or fifth pick as the, the most coveted free agency pick. So this pick, this trade with, with um, D'Angelo Russell shows us that the Warriors are not trying to, they're not trying to tank. They are clearly trying to re-up, and, but they're not trying, they're maybe like a soft reboot, but they have no intention of slowing down. And I think really what they're trying to slip into is a San Antonio Spurs mode where they stay relevant, they stay young, and they keep their their most important players building around them and hopefully winning championships over the next five to six years. Candlestick, Will, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, th- I think Joe Lacob is, um, is, conv- is not only convinced that there's just no reason to ever tank, but that, you know, because he has – I mean, Steph Curry is the, the oldest guy on the team now. And, you know, he has Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green still in their primes. And that these other guys, I mean, you know, Glenn Robinson and Willie Cauley-Stein aren't, you know, long-term solutions. But they're guys who could end up outplaying their contracts, especially because of how small those pieces are. Um, But you go after D'Angelo Russell because you're replacing Kevin Durant with D'Angelo Russell. Like, the small forward they bring in, to start over Glenn Robinson and uh, Alfonso McKinney is not going to be as good as Durant, but D'Angelo Russell is going to be able to at least provide close to the number of points that uh, Durant had. And so if you go out and get a small forward, that's decent, the combination of D'Angelo Russell and whoever that small forward ends up being is going to end up being similar to what Durant and Iguodala provided offensively. And because D'Angelo Russell and Steph Curry aren't great defenders, that it's this team's going to be much different. And so part of that is by their skill set and the pick and roll, that's going to help them offensively be able to um, take advantage of teams they're playing, but then hopefully be able to have guys who are at least more athletic to be able to stay with guys um, you know, on the defensive end. And it's going to be a challenge defensively. I mean, they're, they're losing a ton of defensive um, skill in Durant, Iguodala, and Livingston, among others, and just the the understanding of what they're doing and why they're doing it, the knowledge that those guys had is going to be invaluable. Um, and it's so it's it's you know obviously bitter that they're um, seeing all those guys go, but they have no interest whatsoever in um, in in trying to lose games, especially. But they're trying they're still going to try to make the playoffs. They're still going to try to do something once they get there. And I think they figure once Clay's healthy that they'll be a, a damn good team. And once they're in the playoffs, you have championship pedigree all over the, the roster still that can go after teams like Utah and Denver and Portland that despite everyone you know annoying them, the next great Western power, they can knock all those teams off. And if the Lakers get Kawhi, that does obviously make it you know nearly impossible to stop them. But you know, the Warriors know that technically no team is, you know, um, it's impossible to beat because their 73-win team got beaten. So no matter how good the Lakers are this first year with whoever they end up with, um, they might not be, I mean, they might not be as dangerous as, you know, people might think on paper. And the Warriors know that, that um, you know, they, they were slayed a couple times by the Raptors and Cavs. So why can't they do the same? So let's talk about that. Ray, I want to pass this back to you. So, I mean, this is way too early, but I feel like Kendall Stuckwell is already hinting to this. If this team can just sit, can somehow, with with the acquisitions that we they've made, and if we can get another forward, if we can hold on tight enough and get somewhere between the eighth and the sixth seed, 
and Clay Thompson comes back, realistically, and like you said, Kenneth Sikwo, you hit the big one. If Kawhi doesn't go to the Lakers, there is a road. There is a road to a Clay Thompson healthy and back, Steph Curry, D'Angelo Russell, Willie Cauley Stein. Like there is a there is a pet Draymond Green. There is a path where possibly this team still has a shot at going to what is a wide open Western Conference and a wide open Eastern Conference. They still have a shot possibly to projecting themselves into the NBA Finals this year. Do you agree with that or not? Because I I agree with that. I want to know if you agree with that, Ray. I think so, but it's definitely between a seventh and an eighth seed. I don't really see them climbing into the middle or definitely not the top ranked seeds. And I don't see the middle ranked seeds with this lineup right now. Uh, it depends on how these guys, how these acquisitions, and even the young players too, how they kind of develop under Ron Adams. So, you know, I think he's, I think our defensive coach is terrific, despite, you know, our defense kind of falling off a little bit the last couple of years. I still think it was very potent when it needed to be. The Warriors offense was so powerful that oftentimes we would put in the backups with a 30 point lead. And sometimes those numbers would get skewed. Our defensive efficiency would get skewed by that, by the fact that we had backups playing with a 30 point lead and then they would let him climb in, you know, by 15 points or so or 11 points. And then, you know, that it would, the lead would kind of dissipate quite a bit by the time the game ended, but the damage had already been done. So, you know, we would, we were winning the majority of our games, but I, I, I believe in the coaching staff really. So Steve Kerr is a terrific coach. I think Brown is great. Uh, these guys, Adams is terrific. So I think he's going, and he has young players that still have room to grow and get better at what they can already do, but also areas where they could use some improvement and more guidance from our veteran players, especially Draymond Green and Kavon Looney on the Kavon Looney on the defensive side. So that's where, you know, it's gonna that's really gonna be a telltale sign as to how far we can go is if our acquisition, our free agent acquisitions are able to kind of step in and gel with the type of defense we need them to play at the speed we need them to play. So the fact that they're young and athletic is great. It means that we're younger, we're faster. You know, I, I'm going to miss Eagle Doll. His defense was impeccable. Sean Livingston was very efficient off the bench in the limited time that he would come and play. But he played almost, he played like 78 games, you know, for us in back-to-back seasons. You know, I, I think he played 64 last year, but he's, he was in the 70s every other year before that. So clearly a, a huge role player that, you know, I think they obviously have hopes that Glenn Robinson can become that at least for the next foreseeable season, maybe next year too. He's, I know he's got a player option as well. So we'll just have to see how it goes. But I, I think seventh and eighth is what we're going to be battling with if that's if we're, we're in, the, in the running, which I think we are. I think there's enough talent left over uh, that uh, we're definitely going to be at least in the race. So let's talk about this though. Let me, so let me, let me spread this out because I think this goes down to Something you said, Candlestick, Will, is that the real, the the real trump card, you know, the real the real ace. The, what is the player? And it's Kawhi Leonard. If Kawhi Leonard goes to the Lakers, I mean, arguably, barring health, and Kawhi was hurt last year the whole time. LeBron had his first major injury. But if this team stays healthy, arguably, and I just don't think health wise they can hold this together. I don't, and I'm not even being a hater. I just truly don't. But I think, it, let's just say in a, in, a, in a vacuum, if Kawhi, AD, and LeBron stay healthy, arguably, this is the new big three. This is potentially the next dynasty in Los Angeles. That is really the trump card, right? That is really the, the X factor. Would you agree that, that if, if, if Kawhi doesn't go there and Kawhi, Kawhi, uh, Clay comes back with the Warriors back, in, let's, say, let's say in February – or March, then arguably the Warriors have a shot, have a legitimate shot to getting back. But if Kawhi is there and that team is healthy, I I I, I don't know if anyone could beat that team. What do you think about that, Kendall Sigel? The the Lakers and the Kawhi situation, because it is heating up and apparently they're very confident. And on July 4th, in a day and a half, they claim they believe that they Kawhi is gonna say that he is joining the Los Angeles Lakers. So I want you tell me what you think about that that X factor right there. Well, I think it's it's also the dominoes that'll happen if that happens too. Is that you know someone like Iguodala has already been linked to the Lakers and some other guys that 
would, you know, be buyout candidates where they would go to the Lakers the same way the guys went to the Warriors. Um, so it's not just about how incredible that threesome would be, but also um, the fact that they would get depth from veterans that would take minimum contracts to be on that be on that team. You know, they don't have much talent outside of those three yet, but there's a lot of time between now and the playoffs. And whether it's, like I said, whether it's buyout candidates, that, you know, towards the end of the year or, or trades to go after veterans, you know, that want to come play for them. You know, there's there's a lot of ways for them to get even better after Kawhi signs. If he doesn't sign, it's, you know, things stay wide open. One thing I'll say, though, too, to your you know, guys' point about the Warriors maybe being a seven or eight seed, you know, they they were a six seed in 2014, the last year with Mark Jackson, and they had, you know, Steph, Draymond, and Clay, and and not that much else. You know, Andre was was good, but he wasn't, you know, he he wasn't a, a great scorer even then. Um, so their their team wasn't that much different than what the Warriors are now. But Curry's better than he was then. You know, Draymond's better now than he was then, and uh, D'Angelo Russell is probably just, is just as good offensively as Clay was then. So, you know, they got a six seed that year. I wouldn't be surprised if the Warriors could get at least a six-seed or better this year with the team that they have because you've got, I think, a better group than they did that year, um, and they won 51 games that year. So um, I don't see any reason why they couldn't win 50 with this, with this group that they have because Curry and Draymond are two of the most incredible basketball players in the world when it comes to people doubting them. And there's an entire league that has been aching for them to stop being great for the last three years. And everyone is saying the Warriors dynasty is done. And, you know, the Hampton five is gone. So in some ways they're right. But the idea that Steph and Draymond, especially, and then Clay, when he returns that they're, they're gone and they're done. And now they're not an a-, a factor. It's like, they can't wait to face the Lakers in the second round, you know, or whatever ends up happening because it's like, bring it on. You know, we don't care how many superstars you have. We will take you on because that's what we were. And we're going to we're going to go at you the same way that we that people went after us, except we know how to win in those games. Because I just don't I just don't buy that suddenly the the Utah Jazz are are great because they have Mike Conley or that or that Portland's any better because they have Hassan Whiteside or that, um, you know, or and Kent Bazemore. I mean, these teams that the Warriors slaughtered, you know, without Durant. Um, aren't suddenly that much better than the Warriors now, you know, and, you know, the Thunder, I don't worry about because Westbrook just, you know, <laughs> who does, who, who does really, realistically, <laughs> who, who's worried so, about the Thunder? So even, you know, let's, let's give the, let's give the Lakers, you know, the, the one seed and just give it to them, whether, whether they get Kawhi or not, just put them in the one seed, whatever. How many teams in the West, as good as this West is, are definitely going to beat the Warriors in a seven-game series when Clay's healthy and they have at least three guys. If not, maybe they maybe they still have Russell. So if they have okay, so, four guys, are the Nuggets going to beat them? Are the Blazers going to beat them? Like all these teams that are very very good, they aren't necessarily going to beat the Warriors in a seven-game series. So they'll it would still be unbelievable for the Warriors to stay with a team that has a healthy LeBron, a healthy Anthony Davis, and a healthy Kawhi. If that's what happens. Not to mention guys like Andre Dahl and others would join them. It's like, yeah, of course that would be daunting, but the Warriors would be like, that's exactly what we want. We want to go after those those guys and prove that we can beat them. And if 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 the Warriors are healthy, which they weren't this year, I mean, Curry wasn't healthy, Clay wasn't healthy, you know, Draymond probably wasn't healthy, even though you know he seemed he seemed to be. You know, it's like that's what it is at that time of year. So if everyone is fresher this year then who knows what happens, you know? So it's, uh, I think it's a, it's a challenge that Curry and Draymond can't wait for. Yeah, as far as when the chips are down, the Warriors are one of the best, if not the best team in the NBA to really kind of prove naysayers wrong. I think they prefer that. They seem to play better when they're against the ropes, whether that be psychologically or physically with injuries, as we saw in the playoffs, they really kind of band together and kind of just played more 2015, 2016 Golden State basketball once Durant went down, which was, which is, wasn't a really big surprise to me because I was like, this is because as soon as he went down, I was thinking, okay, they're just going to kind of 
they I think they just kind of go back to what they were doing before Durant anyway. So I don't really think they're going to skip a beat here. And sure enough, they didn't. So um, I definitely agree with that analysis there. It's just a question of whether they can get there with this group or not, even though on paper, it seems they seem more improved than the Mark Jackson team. You know, we'll just have to kind of see how it pans out. So here's the real question. So so let's now now you get me thinking about this. So let's say let's just say in a perfect world, in, in our perfect world, Kawhi does not sign with them. Are we are we really ready to say that a Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green led team with Collie Stein, D'Angelo Russell possibly coming off the bench, isn't better than? LeBron, AD, Kyle Kuzma, and I mean, who the F else is on that team? Are we ready to say that? Raymond, what do you think? Without Kawhi? Without Kawhi. Are we really ready to say that, that an AD, LeBron, Kuzma team can beat Clay, Steph, D'Angelo Russell, Draymond Green, uh, Looney, and Collie Stein? I think it's possible. It's more possible than minus than the Warriors without KD. But a, a healthy Clay Thompson, Curry, and all those role players, I think, are more than capable of beating a LeBron team. They know LeBron, the, and LeBron, you know, LeBron is not the same LeBron. I think he'll still be, you know, a a, a powerful force on the court, but he's no longer Iron Man. You know, he he came off a significant injury last year. I mean, not the worst, but a big a big deal for LeBron. You know, uh, the guy never got injured prior to that. So I think, uh, you know, he's starting to come into a little bit of vulnerability as he, you know, kind of swans is, you know, is singing his kind of his twilight years here. I don't know how many years he plans on playing some more. You know, I, I think he definitely... You know, he he didn't go to the Lakers for a short stint, so this will be you know a a Miami Heat length stint with them. It's just and and one year has already been a wash due to you know as soon as he went down, that team sank quickly. So an AD, you know, I I love and AD, give, and they've given up. But Raymond, they've given up more players. Every one of those starters is gone. I mean, like I'm not I'm with everyone that. I agree that LeBron and AD, arguably, given how wide open the West is with the Warriors going down, is probably the prohibitive favorite. But let's not forget that this team without LeBron tanked with, without even trying. They were trying to win, and now, and now they're all gone. And now there's just LeBron and AD, and I get that this is, this is the kind of sport where, where two or three players is the difference between a dynasty and tanking, but I, I just, I just think that, I just think that I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, I don't think it's, I think if you're going to write off the Warriors, given, let's say all the pieces they currently have in place, Clay Thompson comes back, they're healthy by March and this team is rolling in what they do. I just think it would be foolish to think that they wouldn't be good enough to at least make a run. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Lakers, but I'm also saying I don't understand why we would all assume that the Lakers are unbeatable at this point. They're I mean, not invincible. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of free agency left, and and they and if they get Kawhi, that changes everything. But if Kawhi goes back to Toronto or goes to the Clippers, you know, then they, it just it makes it where you know if he were to go to the Clippers, it's it would basically mean that everyone outside of like Phoenix is good in the West. And that would make it very tough to win 50 plus games, no matter who you are, because every single game against Western opponents would be tough. And so it would be challenging even to win, you know, on a regular night in, in, the, in the middle of the week, and let alone once you get to the playoffs. But the Warriors also know that they can't coast through the post or through the regular season like they have the last few years. You know, the, the, the running joke of there's 82 preseason games and then the real season starts. It's like yeah. that's, not, that's not the case this year. Steph's going to have to play more. Draymond's going to have to play more. And so with that, you know, Draymond lost like 20 pounds in a couple of weeks to get ready for the playoffs. So now he'll do it this year before the regular season starts. And he'll, he'll be ready to go from day one of the regular season. 
and he knows that this this regular season he'll have to play more and be more impactful game to game um, until they get into a rhythm with Russell and, and the other guys to feel where they can you know find ways to win regardless of the opponent. And that might ha- not, that might not happen all year because they have so much less talent. Um, that's why you went out and get a Durant because it gives you the flexibility to ease your way into the into the postseason. You know now because of how logjam the West is with good teams. You know if you don't play well for a couple of weeks, you can go from the three seed to the ninth the ninth seed like they have. You know like all these teams have the last couple of years. You know um, the Clippers two years ago not making the playoffs, and then this year you know, being, you know, being one of the better teams, it was like, you know, it was just a matter of a couple of games here or there. So, you know, it, it really can be, it's, it's going, it's going to be that way probably for the Warriors this year. And that's going to be the first time in a few years that that's been the case. Sorry. So let me ask you this candlestick. Well, so then, and the, the question that I was posing to Raymond, I want to pose to you. So do you believe if Kawhi doesn't go to the Lakers and a healthy Warriors team with Clay coming back in February or March, does that put them in position to compete with a hel- healthy Lakers team as currently constructed without Kawhi? Because oh, I ab- think it does. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Anthony Davis, we don't have anyone that can stop him. We now, with Durant and Iguodala out, uh, are gone and Livingston gone as well. We don't have a team that has someone that can slow LeBron down. You know, Clay Thompson's not going to be able to stop LeBron. Um, and we just, and you know, Draymond, if Draymond's on LeBron, that's going to impact the rest of our defense. And it's, so we'll have to play a completely different way. And, you know, Draymond has been most effective when he's able to be more of a center fielder and help everywhere. And whenever he had to go on Kawhi, it exposed our defense and made it easy for other guys to get easy looks. And so that's, um, you know, that's going to be a challenge. And, so LeBron and Anthony Davis are going to be able to kind of do whatever they want against the team as currently constructed. So it's going to be a challenge, and we're going to have to then play that much better offensively, that much more efficiently. And then by the end of the year, when we get to that point, if our team defense is more Spurs-like, where you know no one guy is on any one player, but as a team we're you know able to get to our spots and limit our mistakes and those kind of things, then absolutely we can be because the rest of our team is going to ultimately probably, especially if Kawhi's not there, be just as good as the rest of their team. And so yeah. if, if their top two guys are dropping 60 a night, well, our top two guys could do that too. And so it, it really then comes down to the rest of the team. And your, your, your point earlier in the podcast about the Raptors, the biggest thing to me about that Raptor series has, as much as health was an obvious factor, it was that their other guys just played better than our other guys. That I they, mean, the bench, they got, the bench they, was they so just got more, they got more consistent production from the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh best players than we did on ours. And so regardless of what Kawhi was doing, you know, one night it was Siakam, one night it was Danny Green, whatever it was, Van Vliet, you know, having the series he had, you know, Kyle Lowry having moments as well. They just per- produce better. Well, the Warriors team now, they have a, a lot of unproven guys. They have some rookies that have never played in the NBA before. They have guys like Robinson and, and Colley Stein that, you know, haven't played with the Warriors before. So there's going to be a lot of moving parts, but that's where the regular season becomes way more important this year. But if they can gel by then, they're, they're still going to be a top-heavy team with Curry, Russell, uh, Clay Thompson, and Draymond. So that's still going to be able to challenge anyone else's, you know, two, three, four-headed monster. And then it's a matter of will the other guys for the Warriors be ready to play? Maybe not because they have so many young guys. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of time between now and then. So, you know, Stein and Looney and some of these other guys could end up being really productive playing with these with with these new teammates and that could really change things if if pool and pascal and some of these brand new guys produce then that changes a lot of things too um because the warriors just don't have the depth that they did a few years ago raymond what are your thoughts i feel i feel like there's there's another 
There's another Raymond in the cast tonight. <laughs> I, 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 like I said before, putting I, putting Candlestick Will and Raymond together is like KD and Steph on the gold cast. I was so excited to get you guys because Candlestick Will, you weren't on the episode. You Raymond's been on the show for five years, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to be there when when you were on. And after the show, I was like, Ray, I got to get you and Candlestick Will in the same room. This is fire. And I love this. So Ray, continue. Build upon what he's already saying. This is like the this is this is the new uh, A team right here. I mean, to kind of sum it up, rather than kind of echo what you've already so eloquently pointed out, uh, Candlestick Will, is this is really kind of we're just going to have we know what we're going to get out of Draymond Curry and the eventual return of Clay. So it's just kind of a and of course Looney. But it's, it's definitely a wait and see with the other pieces to see how well they gel with the team. I believe the coaching can get it done. It's just a matter of when. Um, I don't think it's I – think, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. And if not, I mean, you know, then we'll see some, some pieces move around, you know, before the trade deadline, of course. You know, who that is and, and, and how that shapes up as far as our roster is concerned, you know, is anybody's guess, really. But uh, as far as the playoff run's concerned, I think we're definitely going to be in the race – to, to kind of reiterate what I had said earlier. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, I, I see on paper the six seed possibility, you know, I, right now I feel like it's more seven and eight, but you know, the NBA season like MLB is a very long season. So there's a lot of time to really grow, develop and mature and turn it on, you know, especially after the all-star break. So I think there's, there's still a lot of room for things to, you know, there, there's still a lot to look forward to if you're a Golden State fan. It's not over, not by a long shot. You know, the Spurs won tank. five. Yeah, the Spurs won five in place. 15 years. So we've won three out of the last five. So there's, there's, you know, there's arguably another decade worth of opportunities for this team to really kind of put together more rings. So we'll just have to see how we'll just have to start with this season and see where it goes and see how the coaching staff can bring everybody together with the existing core. Yeah, you know, you look at you look at the Warriors, the way they're constructed right now. And, you know, I'm looking at I'm looking at the roster right here and they've got essential. I mean, they've got, you know, Steph, D'Angelo, Clay, Draymond, Looney, Colley Stein. And those are probably the only six guys that you would for sure play in every playoff game. So to only have six that you know for sure you can play is not enough. But there's again, there's a lot of time. Who knows if Damian Jones is still a warrior, you know, even in the next few days, let alone this whole season. Um, Who knows if Alfonso McKinney stays and sticks. Um, We don't know if Quinn Cook is coming back. If he doesn't come back, they have to replace him. Maybe they go out and get a veteran point guard that has playoff experience. But what it's going to come down to is, Will Jordan Poole or Glenn Robinson or Eric Pascal or Jacob Evans, you know, McKinney Jones, um, this kid Smiley that they had in G League, you know, will any of those guys be someone they can rely on every night in the playoffs? Because you, know, you look at someone like Houston, some nights they only play like six guys. But because they were top heavy and Harden was doing what he was doing, they were finding ways to win playoff games with essentially six or seven guys. Um, so the Warriors can win playoff games with, with a, a, you know, not that much depth. But ultimately, you need seven or eight guys to be productive every night um, to have a, a real shot at winning playoff series. So I, I don't know if the Warriors are quite where they need to be once we get there. But again, like you're saying, it's a long season. A lot can happen between now and then. They, they haven't made moves at the trade deadline in, in – um, in the last few years because they haven't felt they needed to, and they didn't really have to. And this year they might have to. Um, but we also have no idea what Poole and Pascal can do um, at the NBA level yet. You know, so, you know, Glenn Robinson is a, a nice player, but is he going to be someone that they can count on to hit corner threes and, and, uh, and be able to, to stay on the floor defensively? Um, you know, we don't know that yet. So we'll find out. Pascal kind of intrigues me out of all of the uh, out of the uh, the draft picks we got. Pascal's size is it's pretty impressive, so I really hope he can develop sooner rather than later. Well, I Especially. think he's, he's he's the guy I think they probably feel is the most likely to contribute this year. Um, with the current construction of the roster they have and Clay out, you know Jordan Poole is going to play. Mm-hmm. Um, w- whether that means he's you know he ends up looking like Curry and Russell some nights, or whether he never does. 
and looks like a poor man's Nick Young. We know we don't know yet. Indeed. Indeed. All right, gentlemen. Uh, final thoughts before we leave. Uh, last, I just want to hear just real quick sound bites from both of you guys. And I want to start with you, Ray. Um, Katie leaving. Just a couple final words because let's let's not avoid the uh, you know the the elephant in the room. It fucking sucks. But at the same time, as much as I want to hate his guts, I'm really I'm really proud and happy for everything he did. And honestly, I believe the only reason he left is because the media wanted him to leave because they couldn't stand the idea of the best player going to the best team in basketball and. Uh, I'm proud. I'm 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 sad. He sad he left. It feels a lot like the Deion Sanders trade, uh, the Deion Sanders move, but for the NBA. And I never felt that it was permanent. But final thoughts on KD leaving, Ray? I think it sucks, but I, you know, I kind of take the high road that the owners took, where you know I'm going to be classy about it. And to be honest, you know the the Nets can't do anything with him for the next year. So even though they signed four years, they're only getting three out of them so far. And it turns out you were correct. So Kyrie Irving does want to be a bitch boy. He just doesn't want to be a bitch boy for LeBron, but he's willing to do it <laughs> for Kevin Durant. That's clear. Right. That was clearly the the truth that came out of that one. I was like, oh okay, so he really does want to be a bitch boy. He just he he realizes he he realized he couldn't carry a team in Boston. So he needed a, a co a co anchor to do it, and he didn't want to be the one. He wanted to be the two. So now he's going to try it with the uh, introverted Kevin Durant. Um, yeah, yeah, he can't he's, seem to stay away from social media, and is definitely a as a moody as he is. Yes, and he's a, he's a, he's also a contributor to the drama that that he seems to be so you know that he seems to not want to to follow him and loom around him all the time. He's, he's also part of that, as I've said in previous episodes. So it's so, unfortunate that he's gone, but I'm not surprised. I was hoping he, that the injury and the loss would kind of keep him here. I certainly think it crossed his mind, but based on the reports are coming out, it seems like his mind was made up, was made up a long time ago. So it, it, it was, it was. And so uh, in reference, uh, Kalsik Will, he's talking about a little bitch boy. So a couple episodes after you were on the show, I told Raymond, I said, what, what is, so what's Kyrie's plan? Is he's just going to go back? He's going to go to LA and be LeBron's little bitch boy? Like that, that, that's his plan. And so that's Raymond's reference to uh, Kyrie being a little bitch boy. We we're like, oh, so clearly he's, he's not going to be LeBron's bitch boy. He just wants to be KD's bitch boy. He's going to be somebody's bitch boy. That, that's clearly the, uh, the response. But uh, I just want to hear from you. I know that you actually had some choice words about, the Iggy trade, and so I want to give you a moment and a platform to say to the Goldcast Nation just about your thoughts about Iggy and about everything that's gone down in general with KD because obviously this sucks, and obviously we all hate this decision. We understand it, but fuck, it fucking sucks. I, I want to be the best of all time, and with KD, we're the best of all time. Without KD, arguably, we're just one of the best of all time, not the greatest. So I definitely want- didn't see the Iggy trade coming. That one I came out of nowhere. I didn't see that. I didn't. And I didn't even know he want... did. I didn't even know he did the Breakfast Club interview until after that. Okay, so so I want to give the floor to Candlestick Will. Candlestick Will, you have had, you've already put together some choice. You put together an article about Iggy. I want to give you the floor right now to just say what you want to say about Iggy and about this whole situation. Where where are you at? Where are you at? Well, where I'm at is that the the Hamptons Five was the best basketball team I've ever seen in my life. It's by far, I'm, I'm 39, so I, I saw the Showtime Lakers and the Celtics of the 80s, and I saw the Chicago Bulls, and they were great. The Hamptons Five was the best lineup I've ever seen on the floor ever, and that they played for my team. Like, it's still really pretty kind of surreal that this, the same team that, you know, thought Bimbo Coles was better than Tim Hardaway, um, you know, has, has this kind of uh, team they were able to put together. And, you know, so when you look at the last three years and then the five years, you know, ultimately were of, you know, five finals in a row, this is the best basketball I've ever seen. And the team's going to be completely different with Durant and Miguel gone. Um, they're, you know, they're going to have to completely reinvent themselves in a lot of ways. And so it's, it's bitter that Iguodala left because Nobody saw the D'Angelo Russell trade coming, and because that happened, that's why they had to move Iguodala. So it just sucks that they had to 
you know, make a cap move. You know, it was they didn't get anything for Iguodala. They got D'Angelo Russell for Iguodala, um, you know, in, in essence. And, uh, you know, the thing about Iguodala that I think people need to understand if they don't already is that he was the biggest free agent signing in Warriors history, and he still is. Like, he's a bigger free agent signing than Kevin Durant. Because there is no Kevin Durant signing if Iguodala doesn't look at this Warriors team with Steph and Clay and say, I want to come and be part of this. Because if he didn't come, the Splash Brothers end up just being the Splash Brothers. They don't have any much of, they don't have much of an identity outside of that. They aren't a, a team built to win championships. They're just a team that's fun and exciting to watch. Iguodala came in, became the adult in the room that taught them how to win and made Kevin Durant see a team worth going to to play elite basketball. So you don't get the Hamptons five without Iguodala saying, you know what, this this Steph Curry guy and this Clay Thompson guy, like I can I can play with them. And I can't understate how valuable he's been the last five the last six seasons um, as a warrior. And the And he entire- said he plays he plays for Curry's legacy. Well, I mean, did you see that comment? Well, yeah, and 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 he's done he's done that stuff from the beginning. He he Mm -hmm. had interviews early on in his career with the Warriors where he said, you know, I could take a wide open three or I could pass it to Clay Thompson and help him get paid. You know, he's Mm -hmm. been blunt about how much he cares about his teammates. You know, he did said the same thing about Harrison Barnes. He's like, I'm going to try and get a layup for him every time so I can get him his money. You know, it's like him and Mark Jackson had that mentality of like. You go do these things and you'll become a, you know, a phenom in this league. You'll become a great player in this league. And you look at the money Harrison Barnes made in his career. You look at the money Clay Thompson just got. You know, Iguodala helped them do that. You know, Clay Thompson was a great defender after Mark Jackson and Iguodala taught him how to play defense. Like it wasn't, it wasn't Clay Thompson didn't play defense at Washington State. He was, just, he was just a shooter. But he had a body type and he had the athleticism and he had the endurance to be a great two-way player. And Mark Jackson, Iguodala, and others saw that in him and challenged him to do that, and, they, and he took advantage of it. So there's, there's a lot of credit to Clay Thompson, too, but Iguodala is a big part of that. And the, the pressure he took off of his teammates because he could be the best perimeter defender on the floor, the, the, his intelligence offensively, I mean, what they're going to lose with Iguodala not being in the room night in and night out is going to hurt for – a number of reasons, but ultimately, even though Iguodala and Durant will never play a game with the Warriors in Chase Center, Chase Center is going to have five jerseys in the Raptors when it's all said and done. All five members of the Hamptons Five are going to have retired numbers. All five guys should have statues. It's the greatest group of players this team is ever going to have, and they all need to be memorialized forever in that way because this team is as good or better than any dynasty we've ever seen in the Bay area. It's better than the giants dynasty in 2010 to 2014. It's as good, if not better than the, the, what the Niners did, even though they did it longer, it's as good as the three Pete, the A's had, you know, in the seventies. It's, I mean, anything the Raiders did, anything that the sharks will do eventually, you know, all these teams, aren't going to have as dominant a team that won 75% of their games for this long a time. No NBA team has ever won this many games in a six-year run. No team's ever won this many in a five-year run. I mean, the amount of records they broke in in this time frame is incredible. Durant was as big a part of that as any. And his, you know, two finals MVPs and what he was able to do in the short time he was here is absolutely worth putting 35 in the rafters and putting a statue of him shooting a three over LeBron's head, you know, outside the center. Right. <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, oh. you, really, you really can, you really can put two statues and have, have both those shots be immortalized. Oh, you know? and, oh my God. So hold, hold on, hold on. Kenneth. So I have to start for there. You just dropped the mic probably on the hardest level I've ever heard on this gold cast because you, you, you said, Something I, I'm not sure I ever thought I would hear, and it's that the Warriors dynasty is arguably, arguably better than the 49ers dynasty, and I don't know if you're wrong. Well, I mean, my, my point is not that I'm right. My point is that you can't, 
you can't look at this five-year run and tell me that the, that for sure any dynasty in the Bay Area was better. You could say, I mean, because what Montana and Rice did and then what Young and Rice did, I mean, those teams were incredible year in, year out. Their longevity is incredible, and longevity matters when, it, when you have these conversations. But the absolute domination that the, that the Warriors had for this length of time is – as impressive as any run any Bay Area teams had, and and My gosh. It, any 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 run anyone's ever had. I mean, the Celtics when they won forever and every year in the '60s, you know, they were playing against like eight teams. Yeah, yeah, And the league was the league was barely integrated. Like, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that you know, and then and then Red Auerbach just cared more about winning than most of the owners in the league. So he went out and got a bunch of the best players because no other team cared as much as he did. You know, it's like there's a long history in the NBA of the Lakers and Celtics just caring more about winning and a lot of other teams just barely treading water and just enjoying the fact that they even had a team, like not even giving a damn about trying to win. Like part of the reason the Lakers are so amazing for this long, you know, for so many different generations is just because their owners gave a shit. And, you know, a lot of other teams didn't. And, um, you know, and so – for the Warriors to finally have ownership to give a shit, you know, they ended up actually taking advantage of it in the most incredible way we've ever seen. Damn. That was, I don't know, kind of so well, that might be that you just dropped the mic so hard. Raymond, final thoughts before we walk off. That was insane. <laughs> we most likely you... won't see uh, a run like this again from any team, certainly not in the NBA. Uh, as I think in his lifetime, these, these things don't happen very often. I mean, the bulls was certainly an incredible one. So uh, an incredible run, but it's really, really hard to do what the warriors have done in the way that they did it. And in the five year span that they did it, you know, I think the bulls could come close. I mean, the Lakers, the, the Kobe Lakers were certainly impressive, but even they didn't dominate the same way that these warriors have so and the giants too the giants kind of fumbled their way through the regular season and then when the rate when the playoffs came then they turned it on and they really kind of only dominated one of those runs in the 2012 uh run where they kind of just mowed everyone down but other than that it was kind of very scrappy for the most part and the niners most of the time with the exception of super bowl 23 mowed everybody down as well so um it's it's you know, I think the Bay Area has a history of being very dominant when we do get into it. And the, the 70 A's were just a very, very rough and tumble team that just, you know, came in and also dominated, too. That owner, he could have won so much more uh, had he not been so stubborn and, and hard-headed the way he was. He's he's the reason why they didn't win more than three. They could have easily rattled off more. So um, he purposely broke up that team. I, I can't stand that guy. But, um, but yeah, um, I agree with pretty much everything Will said. And, uh, and it's, it's been, it's, you know, in other words, soak it in, fans, because this stuff doesn't happen very often and probably won't happen for, you know, another few decades, which is usually what, you know, how these things work, work out when a team comes and makes a run like this. It's usually several decades before the next one comes around. 100%, and I will say this, and I'm going to close with this, and then we're going to get out of here, is that if you're, if you're from the Bay, like all of us are, if you're from this area of California, which all three of us are lucky to have been a part of this, this is one of the most glorious runs we've ever had. We've had the opportunity to see a 49ers dynasty from the 80s to the 90s, and all of us have seen that. All of us are old enough to have been there. Then we've seen the most improbable Giants dynasty happen you know, the Misfits crew in 2010 all the way through 2014 to that Game 7 against the Kansas City Royals. And then we see a perimeter team, a long ball team, a three-point shooting team, a team that I had to watch. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, oh, my God. What's his name? Uh, Charles Barkley from, from the TNT crew say the entire year, and a team like this has never won a championship. It's never going to happen. Back in 2015, him saying this over and over again, there's never been a space and pace team to do this. They'll never win the championship. And they win it. Then they go 73. And they get KD. And they win two more. And then it ends. I The, the run that the San Francisco Bay Area has had has been incredible. It's been, we are so lucky. We've been to nine championships in nine years. 
been to three World Series rings, five NBA Finals, and one Super Bowl. It is insane. It is insane what we've been a part of. And I'm really happy that we've all been able to share it. And I love that we can sit on a podcast like this and talk about this and talk about the fact that we've won this many championships. We've also had the opportunity to lose this many championships. It's an honor to lose an NBA Finals in the way that we did when you've got a team like Chicago, a city like Chicago, who, after 100 years, wins the first World Series. They haven't won a Super Bowl since 1985. And here we are just stacking rings like like we're Boston or New York. And so I guess with all that, uh, thank you guys both for being on the podcast. Thank you both for being on the goalcast. Candlestick Will, you're a beast, man. Hey, we, we got to have you back on again, brother. I'd love you to come back on a little more regularly. You're 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 beasting it, man. So if you if you love to come back on more regularly, we'd love to have you. Hey, anytime, anytime you want, just message me and I'm there, man. Awesome. Love it. Best Raymond, answer. what did you what did you think about Candlestick Will? I think, uh, I think, as you said, uh, we'd like to hear more of you. I think it's great to always have voices on. We always have, you know, close friends and stuff that are uh, avid sports fans. So it's nice to have somebody else on, too, that uh, cares about sports as much as we do. Um, we've been doing this for a long time. So and we've had lots of people come in and out of the cast. So I think it'd be nice to have another, uh, another new voice um, lending their take on Bay Area sports the same way, uh, the same way that we uh passionately do absolutely so council well i only have one request uh you know kyle shanahan and uh john lynch have worked really hard it would be really great if you you, you join us back i know cap's gone but it'd be really great if you join us back on the sporting under season so we could talk going into uh september that's, that's my only request hey if you want me there i'm there man uh any anytime you need me to talk with uh i, I have, i'll make the time man Sweet. i love it I love it. All right, gentlemen. Okay, so so concludes another episode of the Gold Cast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Sousa Third, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salisa First, baby, and our esteemed third co-host, Candlestick Will. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time. Same Gold Cast channel.